Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. As we approach God's Word in Scripture, uh, a good message today, uh, though um, hmm, a bit of a complicated one perhaps, uh, we do so best in a spirit of prayer. So join me in the prayer of illumination as you'll find it printed in your bulletin. Let's pray. In our prayer, Lord, be glorified, be glorified. In our prayer, Lord, be glorified today. Holy God, bless us this day, and may the reading we share from your holy word inspire us and equip us to be your people in the world, living your word. Oh God, we ask it in the name of Jesus the Christ and the people of God together say, Amen. It's the story of the rich man. Someone said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to them, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, so in this text today, Jesus is asked to solve a family dispute. It's exactly where we want Jesus, in the middle of our family, helping us think through a little what it means to be family, how it is we are to do this thing called being human. He was human after all, did it very well. He was especially attuned to God. So Jesus, Jesus, come help me think through 
my family dilemma. During our vacation these last two weeks, Rachel and I uh, did some family history. We went up and down the eastern shore of Virginia looking at dead paramour graves. Um, that's m part of my family history. And we learned again that families are filled with intrigue, with disputes that need solving and rifts that need smoothing out. We toured Williamsburg one night late. We had 29 people at the family reunion, about 20 at the, the late night ghost tour of Williamsburg. And we came upon the house, or I should say, we fell upon the house of George Wythe. It was very dark, not far from the house of William Randolph. He was a respected, Wythe was a respected law professor and um, a political thinker and a judge. He freed the slaves he owned in his lifetime, including Lydia Broadnax and her son Michael. And it was his housekeeper, Lydia Broadnax, who testified that Wythe's grandnephew, his sister's grandson, whom he had taken in, he, this George Wythe Sweeney was his name, stirred poison into the coffee pot on Sunday morning, May 25th, 1806. Michael died of arsenic poisoning later that week. Wythe, who suspected his nefarious nephew, grandnephew, he wrote George Wythe Sweeney out of the will while he was still alive. Um, but he died a week after that. George Wythe died a week after that. Families, aren't they great? Lydia Broadnack survived, and she testified at trial against George Wythe Sweeney for poisoning her beloved friend and his granduncle, George Wythe. But her testimony was not taken into evidence. Why? Because Virginia law at that time did not allow a person of color to testify against a white person. Back in 1806, it was better to be white and guilty than black and innocent. And if such were the case nowadays, which I hope is not but I pray it often is. If such were the case nowadays, George Wythe would do cartwheels in his grave. Family. This is what we learned. This is what we fell upon in the shadowy night, a Friday night during our family reunion in Williamsburg. We invite Jesus right into the midst of all of this messiness. We want Jesus to be present there. We want to expose Jesus to our foibles and our fallacies. We want him to see us as we are because we know he does. And so come, Lord Jesus, be in the midst. Help us figure these things out. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. You know that prayer. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest and let these gifts to us be blessed. Come. Families have lots of problems. Oh, your family may not, but my family sure does. On the western side of the eastern shore of Virginia, on the ocean side, uh, Francis Asbury made his missionary tour during the great um, um, uh, 
renaissance of religion. And he landed at the house of William Paramore who received him and people gathered and Francis Asbury, the great Methodist reformer, preached the gospel. But across the shore on the bayside at James's house uh, in Jamesville, James Paramore, William's brother, they did not receive Asbury. The, um, the Anglicans there ran him out and that became known as the house of contention. And the rift between those brothers exists today, 200 years later. Families are filled with, with these things that need smoothing out. So come, Lord Jesus, please help us sort out the family ties that have become knotted. We don't want to take these things to our grave. We turn to you, O Lord, for clarity, for wisdom, for advice. Bob and Christy Rice are families, members of our family. They are our mission uh, co-workers and partners uh, in South Sudan. And they wrote us a letter this week, which you'll be hearing more about later. This is a difficult season, they write. This is a difficult season in South Sudan. Food insecurity has reached crisis levels, and there continues to be attacks and insecurity in many regions. The United Nations is no longer providing food aid to people who have been displaced except in new emergency cases. Inflation is high, and the government is months behind in paying salaries for civil servants. Please pray that God gives wisdom, faith, and love to the church here and enables leaders to minister to people who are suffering. We pray that God brings redemption, hope, and renewed unity out of this time of suffering. That's part of the letter from Bob and Christy Rice. And they write to us, Hold us in your prayers as we hold you in ours. And you better believe Bob and Christy Rice pray for us every day. Bob, Christy Rice, South Sudan. We can hold them in our prayers. The Rices remind us that there's a whole wide world out there for us to be attentive to, aware of. Um, and our global family is hurting and celebrating. Lord Jesus, we pray, come to the Ukraine and bind up the wounds of the war-torn and tattered. Lord Jesus, come to Russia and speak, speak reality to, to leaders there and speak peace. Come to Cuba. Come to Cuba as the Luyano Presbyterian Church celebrates 100 years of ministry. Come, Lord God, to South Sudan and strengthen the work of reconciliation uh, at the hands of Bob and Christy Rice and the church there. Come, Lord Jesus. Come to our family. Inspire us. Heal us. Our church, wider church family in Illinois met this week, the Illinois Conference of Churches. We talked about gun violence. Illinois has among the toughest gun laws in the country. And our numbers aren't as bad as most other states. But listen to this. Guns are the leading cause of death in children in Illinois. Children from the age of 1 to 17. The most likely way they are going to die is by gun violence. Come, Lord Jesus. I got an email yesterday from another part of our church family, Tracy Day, speaking on behalf 
of Dreamhouse. Yesterday, a five-year-old dreamer was shot, and his status or her status is unclear this morning. Come, Lord Jesus. Our family needs you. When your family's in trouble, you go to Jesus. It's the place you go. You find your knees, you look up, and you pray. Come, Lord Jesus. It's not unusual that Jesus then would be invited or asked to help us solve something about my family. You know, the, the man comes to Jesus and says, I want you to help me solve this estate with my brother. I, I, I want to receive my portion of the family money. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbiter over you? It may seem, as this man comes to Jesus for help, that Jesus is taking a step away from him, putting his hands out, saying, Wait a minute, who made me your judge or arbiter? As if Jesus wants to get out of this conversation as if Jesus doesn't want to be woven into this dispute but a closer reading suggests something else what Jesus sees is is not the man's worry and woe but he sees the man's greed it's not that he doesn't want to talk with the man about his problem it's that he doesn't want to talk about the man's father's money This reading suggests that Jesus doesn't want to resolve this sort of legal dispute, but he wants to talk about a deeper matter of the soul with this man. This man may not care one whit for his brother at all. He just cares about his inheritance, and he wants his share. And Jesus sees that. Jesus uses this moment to talk about greed. The man says, I want my share. Help me to get it, Jesus. But Jesus doesn't work for for the broker. Help me get my money, Jesus. Jesus turns things around and asks the man to think about greed and invites us to think about greed because it's greed that motivates the man in this parable. A man, a farmer, comes to come upon a bumper crop. His, His Uh, barns are too small to house his harvest so he has an idea he'll tear down the old barns and build more and bigger barns to keep all of his stuff safe now we might think that this farmer's doing nothing wrong he's just taking care of the gifts that God has entrusted to his care naturally the harvest can't be left out in the field to rot so he needs to build bigger barns to house to house his um, harvest Such is not the case. Jesus makes this very clear for us. This man uses the word I or my 11 times, and not once, not once does this man talk about his neighbor. Not once does this man talk about how his bountiful harvest can help the community. Not once does he mention these things. He doesn't mention orphans or widows or the poor or the hungry or the dispossessed or the sojourner, and he should be. He should be. For those to whom much is given, much is required. This man mentions himself, his own eating, drinking, and and reveling. God has not entrusted bounty to us only for us. God has not entrusted bounty to us only for us. We are called to share for the good of the wider family. Take care, Jesus says. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. 
For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. We know that, of course, but sometimes we don't know it and need to be reminded. Jesus is saying again and again and again, and he says it often in Luke's gospel, I want to talk about you and your brother. I don't want to talk about your father's money right now. I want to talk about you and your brother. I want to, I want to say about money, money's a problem if it gets in the way of relationships as it seems to have gotten in the way here. I want to talk about you and your brother, your relationship with your brother, sure, but not about your money. Paul would say that money is, the, is not the root of all evil. What does he say? Paul says it is the love of money that is the root of all evil. And Jesus wants to talk here about what do you love? Who do you love? Greed is a problem that clogs the moving gears of the family farm. Beware of greed. Don't think just about yourself. Think about your neighbors. Think about those who are less fortunate. Think about your place in the wider family. Think about what you can do to make the world better. Think about these things. If you're stuck on yourself, you're stuck. If you are stuck on yourself, you are plain stuck. And Jesus is interested in us living fully, not stuck, but fully alive, aware, in relationship with God and one another. If we're stuck on ourselves, we're in trouble, and we are mocking what God intends for God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So it's good to be with you uh, in, in this church family again. A lot, of church, a lot of families, a lot of church families have problems. We don't. We're, we're the perfect church because you have a perfect pastor. Oh, my goodness. I was surrounded by family stories this week, surrounded by family stories of families that, that were hurting and growing and testing thinking about you and your families and, and the way I uh, am part of the wider human family. And this family parable comes to mind. <clears throat> Two brothers worked on a family farm. They managed it. They, they were the surviving kin. And they divided things equally among themselves. This is an old folktale. The older brother was married and had many kids. And he says, you know... I am really wealthier than my younger brother who's single <clears throat> because I have a family to take care of me and he's all alone. So I'm going to take some of my grain and I'm going to give it to him. And so every night, late at night, he takes a bag of grain across that dark field and, and slips it into his brother's grain bin. You know where this story is going, don't you? The younger brother says, you know, I have more than my older brother. My older brother has a family, and, and he doesn't have nearly as much grain as I do. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take some of my grain, and I'm going to give it to my older brother. And every night, late at night, he slips across the field with a bag of his grain and dumps it into his bro brother's grain bin. For years, the brothers are perplexed why they never are diminished when it comes to grain. And then one night late, they bump into one another. And they fall down in their, 
their grain bags spill open and they see what's been happening all these years and they laugh and they embrace. This is the sort of thing Jesus has in mind when it comes to sharing the bounty of our lives, not hoarding it and keeping it for ourselves for some distant rainy day, but using it for the good of the world now with brothers and sisters near and far. Greed is a windowless door that is shut and locked. Generosity is an open door. It's an open heart. It's an attitude of inclusion and welcome. I'll end with two very short family stories. My grandparents on 68 Cherokee Road raised their five children and cousin Polly in the 20s and the 30s. Every evening was a palpable parable of generosity because every evening around their table they welcomed anybody who came. When the kids were called in for dinner, if they brought their friends with them, those friends were welcomed. And if neighbors or, or family visited late, after, late afternoon, they were encouraged to stay for dinner. <clears throat> Chairs could be added to the small dining room table, and if necessary, a smaller table was set up in the kitchen for the children to sit at. My father and his siblings knew that there were two rules, two rules always. Number one, everybody's welcomed around that table. Number two, when there are guests, the guests are to be served first and well, and the family would take only a little of what was left over. Two rules. The remarkable thing about this hospitality, wrote my aunt uh, Alice when I shared this part of the sermon with her this weekend. The remarkable thing about this hospitality, she wrote, was that it was so unremarkable. It was just an ordinary way of life. We have much to learn. I have much to learn from from my grandparents and the use of their table. And then this story. <clears throat> when my father came home from being a POW in Germany, he was in a hospital briefly in Paris to get stronger. He, he weighed very little. And then he was in a hospital in New York City to get stronger and then was sent to the VA hospital in Richmond, Virginia to get stronger. And one day he came home on the, on the bus. He had taken his back pay, all of his back pay, and as he made his way from McGuire Hospital in Richmond, he stopped at a furniture store, and he bought <clears throat> with his back pay my grandmother a single pedestal dining room table that was bigger than the one they had. And that became the place where all would eat and all would find a place the larger place where everyone could fit. Jesus says generosity is a way of being rich toward God. Being rich toward God is sharing with others. We build barns rightly. We build barns to store our grain in order that we may more generously share with one another, particularly the least of these, to the glory of God the Father and the Son 
and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week.